This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. And without giving the game away, I think we've got one or two stories today that will put a smile on your face and make you proud to be a Liverpool fan. And to tell you all about those stories, I'm pleased to say I'm joined on the line by Matt Addison. Matt, how are you? Very good, thanks, mate. Yeah, back again uh, after my day off yesterday. Didn't manage to get a great deal done, obviously with circumstances being as they are, but yeah, glad to be, uh, to be back on again. Good to hear. Let's start with an amazing story that was written by Luke Trainer, one of our colleagues on the news team at the Liverpool Echo, which is not about Jurgen Klopp directly, I would say, but his wife, Ulla Sandrock. Yeah, um, as you say, a really nice story that will put a smile on people's faces, I think, this morning. Um, yeah, his wife, Ulla, they both, they both obviously live in Formby in the, the northern part of Liverpool. And yeah, they've donated £1,000 worth of food vouchers to uh, to supermarket staff when she was in Waitrose doing a bit of shopping. She's decided to uh, to give 20 £50 vouchers to the, the staff who were in the shop at the time. And, and they've sort of decided between themselves, we believe, to, to split them between all of the people who work in that particular shop. And yeah, it's uh, just a, a nice little gesture of kindness. Obviously, key workers, supermarket staff, they are not at home keeping safe like, you know, the, the vast majority of people across the country and, you know, along with the, the National Health Service staff and that sort of thing is, you know, it, it's a crucial role to make sure that people can get hold of their groceries and, and do that sort of thing and, and keep as much normality as possible in these very strange times. So, yeah, it's, uh, as you say, not directly related to Jurgen Klopp, but, you know, both of them together have, have made this decision to, to give out a, a ra- random act of kindness, which, yeah, it, it's just a, a really nice story. And it's something that I think it's important to point out that they didn't want it to be publicised. They didn't want it to, you know, it, it wasn't something they did to get praise. But one of the, the people who worked in the staff, I think, has, has come to the Echo and said, look, this is a fantastic story that needs to be out there. And, Totally agree. It's, it's brilliant. And as much as they didn't do it for the praise, I think we, we very much have to praise them because they didn't have to do this. And it's, as I said, a, a really nice story to, to start off with and, and put a little smile on your face. It certainly does. And the great thing about Jurgen Klopp, his, his wife, his family, his extended family at Liverpool FC, they do really have a, a social conscience. We've seen that with the, the work done in particularly by Jordan Henderson, his fellow Premier League captains, to to give money to the NHS. And it, it doesn't seem to be now a week or a week goes by where more and more of these kind of stories emerge. It's obviously like the one we've spoke about then. And also another one that came out last night from Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, the, uh, the 21-year-old again lives in the city, I think, and he's sort of, you know, come out and, and spoken about his pride, really, of, about the NHS staff in, in Liverpool, which you know, I think he, he speaks on behalf of, of everyone when we say how grateful we are for the work that they do. And during this pandemic, they've they've put in a lot of time and, and you know, have been under a lot of stress. And, and he's come out and, and, you know, him and his kit sponsors, Under Armour, have decided to, to donate 2,000 products for, for workers at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, which... Again, it's just a really nice story and it's something that he says, you know, in his own words, he says, everyone knows I'm, I'm Liverpool through and through and the city means everything to me. And, you know, I've been inspired by the work that the doctors do. And, you know, it, it's just something that a footballer can, can do to give something back. I think, you know, as you said, you mentioned Jordan Henderson and we've spoken about Jurgen Klopp and his wife and, 
you know, it, it's another story really that not only does it put a smile on your face, but it just makes you you think how proud you are really if, if you're a Liverpool fan to be seeing all of these footballers and, and your manager coming out and, and doing the right thing. And look, there's been times when Liverpool and, and players and things like that get criticised, but I think the, the vast majority of this particular group and this particular bunch of players that Liverpool have at the moment tend to be doing the right things on a consistent basis. Certainly they try to, and this is the, the latest example of that. As Trent says, we will get through this together, but you know, these sorts of things do help, and I'm sure those NHS workers will have a smile put on their face just as, as we are when we read this story this morning. Certainly, the priority in this country, as you say, is to help our key workers, help the NHS, and really to repeat the line that so many people have said over these last five or six weeks is to save lives. But ultimately, like any business, Liverpool and the fellow Premier League clubs do have to plan for the return of football. It's something we've talked about on this podcast so many times in, in recent weeks and we'll put, no doubt continue to do so until it actually returns. And it's clear from comments made by the Culture Secretary, Oliver Dowden, last night that the clubs are working closely with the government about finding a way of getting the game back, albeit behind closed doors, it seems. Yeah, we, we've spoken a number of times on the Blood Red podcast on a, on a Monday or a Friday about how you know the, the government and the Premier League are working on different ways of being able to get football back because you know we're, we're, look, the, the reasons are obvious. We, we want the season finished for sporting reasons, but also financial reasons as well. And it looks, as you say, to be a case of it. It almost certainly will be behind closed doors now. I think the season will come back within you know, the, the next sort of six to eight weeks probably is the, the most likely scenario at this point. But, you know, it, it might even be that once next season starts, there's no fans in the stadiums either. So for that to happen, obviously, there's a lot of planning and a lot of things that have got to go in um, and be decided and, you know, different problems to be ironed out, if you like. And the culture secretary has sort of come out and, and spoken about that, obviously, doing a, a little bit more detail. Um yeah, he, he talks about the, the five tests for, for the coronavirus that I assume is sort of testing to make sure that, that people like the players and, and managers don't have it and, and making sure that you know it, it's a very controlled environment when football does return to make sure that you know things don't spread very easily. Um, but he also talks about being consistent with existing measures. So if social distancing is still in place, for example, Football won't be able to return because obviously you can't have a football match where everyone is stood two metres apart. And the final sort of part of it that he says is, you know, it's got to be a case of it being the right signal to send. You know, I don't think, you know, if we said football is going to return tomorrow, I don't think that would sit right with the, the vast majority of the population because, you know, obviously for the rest of the country, life isn't quite back to normal yet. It's, you know, a number of weeks off. So, Football will only return once it feels right and, and it feels like the, the correct way of going about things. So we are still a number of weeks away, but you know, as we mentioned last week, the the plan is for Liverpool to hopefully return to training in about four four or five weeks or so, um, with a view to having a week or two to, to train together before a potential season um, resumes, maybe in a couple of months' time. So we are still some way off, but it's good to hear that, you know, these sorts of things are being planned out and, and the right measures are, are being put in place now well, adva- well in advance of, of that being the case so that when football does come back, it, it's done properly, it's done in the right way and it's done at the right time as well.
Agreed. We'll just end with a bit of transfer news surrounding Timo Werner, player who features a lot on this podcast. And also Loris Karius, who Sean Bradbury and myself only talked about yesterday. There's been a bit of an update on his future and potentially Timo Werner's as well. Yeah, the uh, the latest instalment of the Timo Werner saga is apparently <laughs> he has, has said yes to Liverpool, which I don't think is uh, a massive surprise if Liverpool have, have sort of made clear their interest. I don't think it's any surprise that, that Timo Werner has, has come out and said that he would like to move. I think it's very, very clear from, from interviews and things that he's done over the last few months, the amount of flirting that's been going on from, from his side and from his agents and that sort of thing. You know, the, the sort of the question is whether Liverpool would be prepared to to match his release clause at this moment in time. I'm not convinced, to be honest, that, the, that they would. I think obviously with the uncertainty over the transfer market and that sort of thing, it would make more sense to wait and see what happens. I think we uh, we spoke to a German football expert last week, and, and he seemed to think that there was a good chance, just out of a, a goodwill gesture, really, the, the release clause could be extended by a few months because of the coronavirus. So Liverpool wouldn't necessarily miss out on that good deal potentially taking place in the summer. But Bleacher reports, Dean Jones is, is suggesting that Werner has said yes to, to, to Jurgen Klopp and to Liverpool. Um, the key factors being, obviously, Jurgen Klopp, who wants to work with him. But he also is keen on a move to England. And, you know, if you're a player and you... I've got your heart set on the Premier League. I think it does make sense that you would come to Liverpool, obviously, with the position that they're in this season and you would expect them to be in a similar position. OK, Manchester City will, will probably spend a bit of money in the summer and, and get closer to Liverpool next season, but you'd imagine that they'll be there or thereabouts in terms of the title race. And Yeah, those are the, the two key factors in, in Timo Werner wanting Liverpool, but it's also suggested that you know, RB Leipzig could be close to signing Milot Rashica, who's a, a player that we've spoken about on the Analyzing Anfield podcast um, in the, the last few weeks. And it's someone that, that Liverpool have been linked with themselves, actually. But yeah, the, the suggestion is that the Werder Bremen winger will go to RB Leipzig and he will essentially be Timo Werner's replacement. So that sort of opens up the possibility that, that Timo Werner could leave. Obviously, we knew that was the case anyway, but it does seem to be a step closer if Rashika does end up moving um, that would point towards an exit and I think the most likely scenario if if indeed Timo Werner does leave Leipzig is that he does come to Anfield so yeah certainly one to keep an eye on um, and then the other story as you say uh, Loris Karius spoken about on yesterday's podcast but Turkish outlet Fnatic are saying that he could actually be coming back to the Premier League with Wolves and mm. um, Really, really interesting story, I think, for, for him to come back to England after everything that's happened. And I mean, to, to be honest, obviously, it's it, it's two years now that he's been out on loan um, at Besiktas. And he's still only 26, so he's, you know, approaching the, the best part of his career, if you like. But there's just been so many things that have gone wrong for him. I think, you know, for, for him, he, he just needs a fresh start. He needs to go somewhere else and, and try something new. And, whether the the right thing for him to do would be to stay in England, where you know, it, it, let's say Wolves is his first choice goalkeeper, Rui Patricio was to to get injured. If he was to to come into the side for a sustained period of time, you'd expect there to be, you know, a great deal of pressure and a great deal of, of media attention on him. So it would be interesting if if he came back to to England. I think that would take a great deal of mental strength. But 
you know, where, wherever he ends up, I don't think he's got a future at Liverpool. Still under contract until 2022, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd expect him to move somewhere, whether that's another club in England, as, as the suggestion here is with Wolves, or whether that's somewhere else. I think it's, yeah, it, it, it's the right time for, for him to get a permanent deal to move on and, and hopefully pick the right club for him to move on with the rest of his career. Well, thanks, Matt. That's all for today's edition of the Morning Bulletin. But before I go, I'll leave you with two significant on-this-day moments. It was exactly three years ago today that two goals from the former striker Christian Benteke condemned Liverpool to a 2-1 home defeat to Crystal Palace. Remarkably, it remains the last time Liverpool have lost at Anfield in the Premier League. And on this day in 1988, Peter Beardsley earned Liverpool a 1-0 win over Tottenham at Anfield that sealed the old First Division title for one of the club's greatest teams. And to hear more about that 1987 88 side please do check out a podcast we've got coming up later today with Ray Houghton who was a key member of that squad Guy Clark's the man who will be asking Ray the questions and I believe it's a very very good listen I'm going to have a listen to it myself have a bit of a sneak preview before it's published later this afternoon around 3pm UK time thanks Matt and thanks everyone for listening you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo